Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Livigno to Levy. Visma Ski Classics is the long-distance ski championships with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Serena Boner, a 38-year-old former Swiss pro team athlete, is one of the true pioneers of long-distance skiing. She has 15 Visma Ski Classic States wins, and which is exceeded by only Anders Auckland and Britta Johansson Nugren. She is also a three-time Visma Ski Classics champion, a four-time Birgebeinerrennen, and two-time Majalonga winner. Additionally, she has one second and one third place in the overall competition. Besides her 15 victories, she has been on the podium amazing 17 times in the Pro Tour. She started her professional skiing career in 1998 and she has represented her country at two Olympic Games and three World Championships, where she has gotten several top 10 places. She finished 39th at her last Visma Ski Classics event, Engadin Ski Marathon, in 2019. Welcome to this podcast, Serena Bonner. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How has it been with the corona in Davos? It was quite a change in the beginning because, um, of course, no one really knows what it is and what how it affects. So uh, everything was kind of locked down. All magazines were closed, restaurants were closed, schools are closed, no more competitions. But um, then actually my life didn't change so much because we were still allowed to, to go out and we had really good um, ski conditions till mid of April. So we kind of spent a lot of time outside, a lot of time at home and only with the closest people around you, also only with the closest family and um, yeah, no, no other social contacts. That was special, but it was okay. We had a lot of time for us and yeah, try to enjoy that and us is uh, it's you you're married to maybe or you're living with tony leafish yeah exactly we are married yeah. And, yeah. and you also have someone else in the family yeah we have a little seven month old boy with us and um he of course takes a lot of attention and enjoyed kind of having a the parents home all the time and taking care of him playing with him so that was <laughs> kind of the, the good thing about everything <laughs> how are you training when you bring your little kid we kind of tried out different ways um we had like the wagon that you tear um and kind of felt that that's not so comfortable you kind of don't get the real skiing feeling when you kind of know what skiing is because it it's kind of special you can't really ski as normal and um, then we tried to have him just on the back and then um, carry him like a backpack and that works out really well and he enjoys it a lot to to be on the back to be close to us and um, then it's just he's sleeping or he was sleeping um, for two or three hours when we were out skiing and that worked really well. Do you classic ski or skate ski with him on the back? Uh, I mostly classic ski. Double poling is not going super perfect but it works. You kind of adapt a little bit your technique and try to have a 
as stable as possible upper body. But and the diagonal goes really well. Tony did like both. He skated and did classic. So yeah, skating goes even better, maybe. Yeah. How is life in Davos? I mean, it's um, for us that not living there. It's uh, it's a cross country skiing paradise. How is it to to actually live there? Yeah, it's a living in paradise, I guess. <laughs> no, I mean, um, well, not that different from other places, maybe. I mean, I, it's really beautiful, of course, um, with the mountains and um, possibilities for outdoor sports, both in summer and in winter. When I was traveling the world, I was and I was coming home. I always was really impressed by all those beautiful places I was visiting, and then I came home and was like, okay, but that's. That's kind of nice as well, but probably <laughs> it's kind of like hopefully everyone feels a little bit. Um, yeah, however, it's I think for us that really love sports and um, love skiing and um, love running and cycling and everything in the mountains, it's a really good place to live. You kind of don't have like super big options for, for jobs. It's kind of limited to tourism that's big and then yeah education or stuff and kind of rather small it's three or five times as big in winter times when all tourists are there and it's pretty death right now and not so many people around how is the uh, the status of you as a skier now are you retired or are you still a skier um i (laughs) i would not call me like a skier i'm just um I kind of never, I, I think that word retiring is, is so strange. So I, I was just saying I, I'll never retire. <laughs> but I just um, ski as as much as I can and whenever I can. But it's not that I have like a training schedule or any particular goals or something. I just kind of take it how it comes. And then when I get the chance to to race like last winter then i do and when i don't i don't so well i'm not quite sure how that continues but um has been good has been good that way uh, but it's uh, not uh, it's not a focus like i had before it's just more more for fun and um for health reason or whatever <laughs> to just move and but at the at the high level you skied in uh, 2017 you, you skied uh, well in Wisma Ski Classics and you also skied uh, the World Championship, at least a relay in Finland. Uh, would you say that is the last time you were in real good shape in 2017? Maybe, but <laughs> actually I kind of always feel better in my body right now than I felt then because that was a really kind of struggling season. I, I raced World Championships and I raced... Um, some ski classics races but had a really hard time to to push myself i think i was almost kind of on the edge of being maybe ah, overtrained i don't like that word but um it was just i didn't have a good balance and now after i really had uh, kind of given my body a break with pregnancy and everything i kind of felt much better again this winter as probably not that shape but on a pretty good shape compared on what I on the amount of work I put in and I really felt that my body was like 
answering to everything I put in. So I had some response and I really was missing that for the last two years before. So it was kind of, kind of felt even better, of course, uh, on another level. But yeah, that was kind of interesting mm. to find out. Will you be on the podium in the Wismaski Classics race again, you think? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> um, no, uh, that would like be way too much um, work to put in uh, and I don't have the time. I cannot focus as I'm supposed to reach such a result. I mean, you, you have had a tremendous career. You have... Um... You've skied the Olympics twice, you've skied the, the World Championship three times, you've been top 10 in individual races in both those two championships. And uh, in Visma Ski Classics, you were just awesome for six years. You were on the podium all years, those uh, from 2011 to 2006 in the overall standings. You won the yellow bib three times, you have 15 event victories, you have so many podium positions. How did it all begin when you started to ski in Visma Ski Classics in 2011? Um, that was actually not really planned. So I was just really lucky that year because in 2010, I kind of, I really had those Olympic Games in Vancouver as my, my big goal, my whole skiing career. And I totally messed up that winter, didn't qualify, didn't have any good race. I didn't have, I even didn't um, qualify for the national team. So I was kicked out after the 2010 season and kind of was done with skiing because everything was ah, frustrating and it didn't work out the way I was hoping. I had like two options. I could either quit skiing or I actually thought I only have one option and that's quit skiing. Because in Switzerland, when you're not in the national team, it's kind of really hard. And I kind of didn't really know much about other options to ski on a on a good level. Like I didn't know much about long distance skiing. And then um, the president of uh, Engadin Schimarton called me and, and asked me if I was interested in uh, skiing for... For, for his team that he wants to build up. He wanted to make Engadin Marathon more popular in uh, Scandinavia and wanted some uh, good skiers to, to do those um, big races. Um, and it was, this was almost 10 years before Engadin was uh, one year part of Visma Ski Classics. Yeah, that's true, exactly. But that's how everything began for me. Uh, so we went... Yeah, we heard about ski classics and kind of build up a little group of skiers. We were actually only three girls at, girls at the end, but still we had some money, we had some support, and um, you were lots of Serinas. Exactly, <laughs> it was Serina Michelle and Martina Badilatti and me, so two thirds of it. <laughs> but um, the other two actually were, were were sick almost the whole winter, so it was often just me skiing. Um, I started with the Cherska. I did a 50k and I've never in my life done more than a 30k on the Swiss championships maybe so I had no idea how that would turn out but it turned out 
quite well. And then the second race was much longer and there I won. And there was like, oi, that's, that's fun. I want to do more. And then after the how was race, it to I was win? a yellow bit. And so, yeah, that's how it all began. How was that to win the, the Marcia Longa as your second race in Vismaki Classics? And you were, yeah, how was that? Um, I really remember that race. Yeah, the other two girls were, were not able to ski. So Tony came with me and we had two friends supporting us. And we waxed our skis. We had kick wax on and uh, we didn't really think a lot about everything. And I just started like it was no woman's start back then. So we started in the men's field, of course. And I had no idea where I was. Like I had no idea the standing and then um, the spectators like um, were screaming on me, um, like prima donna, I guess that's um, first woman in Italian. I was like, wow, is it possible or have they been missing something? But it was it was not only one, but it was several. So maybe I'm in, in the lead. <laughs> so I didn't really know. And then at Cascata, we had... Uh, Cascata, the, the last hill, three yeah, exactly. or 2K uphill. Exactly. Um, before I entered that one, one of those friend, friends that was supporting was standing there and he had um, some extra wax and asked if I if I needed some. But um, he would not re- recommend me because he said that Tony had the same, the same wax on his skis and he was just diagonal ski easy with that yeah, I had super kick, so I probably don't need it. And by the way, I'm first, so I should just keep on pushing. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then I made my way up to Kovalese and um, had that uh, flowers around my neck. And uh, it was that was quite impressing. <laughs> and then you, you just had a very good season and you won the Wismanski Classics your first year. I mean... You really need to say that it was not so many women skiing as there are skiing now, but I, I think I had some really good, um, good races. Like Mochelonga was, I felt really strong, and also Birkebeinerrennet was a pretty good performance. I think Vasalopet was really hard for me. <laughs> I, I thought I would not make it to the finish and lost like thirty minutes or something to the first, but. Um, yeah, that was really something to learn. And then was that that last race was pretty tough one as well. I don't, I don't even the remember. The yeah, exactly. That was like a, I think we had a, an overall race time at the end that was even longer than than was a little bit. And, uh, I kind of managed to to win that as well and to win the the overall. And then it all began kind of. Then you, you transferred to Team Xperit. And actually, if I count your teams, it's been Engadin Ski Marathon team and then Xperit that got into Coop. And then you have also raced for Jell. I don't know how you pronounce it. Jell Interim Rossignol. Yeah. Uh, and the Skigo Exit team and Team Job Station Rossignol. So maybe it could be that you have, are the one that have been on <laughs> the mo- most teams. Well, uh, job station and uh, shale is probably the same. That was shale. just yeah. Shale uh, yeah. Mm. But anyway, you were in Team Experit that turned into Team Coop. You were there mm. for four years. Mm. 
How how was the time there? Oh, that was really a good time, really a great time, I can say maybe. Um, yeah, after the first successful season, I um, think I got the call from uh, the team manager if I would want to ski for them, and um, yeah, I really wanted to because that was my chance to really focus on on skiing and being on a professional team, having all the support and. I was really impressed by how big everything was before I didn't really realize it. So we had a really good time. I mean, it changed a lot from the beginning. I think in the beginning it was the Fredriksson brothers and um, Susan Nyström and Jenny Hansson and Oscar was there all the time and the others kind of changed all the time. But And in the beginning it was a, a bit hard for me because I didn't talk any... Um, Swedish and um, the others were all Swedes. When we booked this interview, we we spoke in Swedish for five minutes. It's just uh, amazing to me that you learned Swedish. <laughs> how, how, like, how is it possible? I don't know, but I guess Swedish is a pretty basic language. I don't know. It's not so complicated. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't, it's not. Um, a lot of words are quite close to German, I think. And then I was just around my teammates all the time and they were talking Swedish and suddenly uh, you kind of start to to understand and suddenly I was like, oh, I should maybe just start, try to start talking and um, it worked out. And um, actually my Swedish teacher was um, Elge Svert, the father of... Um, Oscar, he was with us all the time. He was with us in the training camps and uh, on competitions. He was the chief of um, feeding. And he was talking really clear and he was talking slow and he took his time uh, because he knew I am, I'm not so good at it. And he was not so good at English. So he pre preferred to kind of talk basic Swedish to me. And that's kind of how I... Yeah, I took all my um, courage, or how you say, um, and and started talking with with him, and then I started talking with others, and after after some years, it felt pretty natural. Let's listen to Lars Gunnar's son. After I named the team, it was uh, great, of course, both that she was a very good athlete. Uh, and uh, made uh, very good results, but also that uh, Serena is a kind and nice person, and uh, I must also say very intelligent person uh, with a lot of knowledge. So when we like discuss trainings, things like that, she have uh, always good ideas what we can make better and so on. Serena arrived to Team Spirit and then Team Coop uh, as a very, very good uh, traditional ski with, with um, high capacity and uh, with the high uh, maximal uh, oxygen up, uptake. Every training when it was rural ski, uphill, diagonal, or running with pools. I remember sometimes when she was nearly matching the, the guys in, in the team, especially when we was in Training in high levels, he was like always very, very strong in the in the uphill sessions. During the 
years when she was more and more focused on long distance skiing, see she become stronger and stronger in the upper body and and uh, develop the double pulling uh, technique uh, a lot. And together with more strength, she, she become a very very good uh, athlete also in the double pull. And then I must say that what I was very impressed about Serena that he, she had a very high low level. <laughs> So she she never give up uh, and she never did a bad race. So that was like <laughs> Serena. How would you describe yourself as a as a skier or, or when you were at the top? When I was at the top, is like it... what was your strength and what was ah, yeah, your like, weaknesses? No, I mean um, Oscar probably brought it to the point. I'm. I'm really much better in uphills or like I need some, I'm not the best in high speed and I'm not the best in sprint finishes. My strength is just to have a a high pace and a high frequency in the, in the hills. On my best, I was kind of skiing in, uh, maybe in, (laughs) yeah, then it was when I could like ski away from the pack in the front and um and win i would it was hard for me to to win a race when we were together and when it was coming to a to sprint finish all others were probably better than than i was and they knew it and that's kind of already a bad thing when you get into (laughs) into the sprint finish but i could like yeah win races with 30 seconds a minute um, uh, advantage and then I could yeah then I was able to really hold the pace and maybe hang on at some guys that were starting behind and passing and I really struggled with um, the real high speed in the kind of easier parts like for example Mochalonga the way down that was always hard for me and I kind of didn't know how what I should do to just be faster <laughs> I I probably didn't have the technique I would have if I would have continued to ski on on that level that's really something I would have to improve yeah to 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 stay there because the it's much more girls now it's much it's it's more often that it comes down to a sprint finish and um I think it would be much harder for me to win to win races now. You have won the Berkey Biner four times, and, and that's a hilly race. Uh, and you you have been very even. Like the first six years of Ismaski Classics, you, you you did thirty nine races, and you were on the podium every time except seven, and three of them were Vasalopet. So Vasalopet was certainly not your favorite race. Uh, is that because of the, the, you talked about the speed and flat sections? Yeah, I think it's, it's about that. I was just missing the hills. I mean, I was, I think I developed my double pulling pretty well, but I, I was still better in double pulling in hills than I was in double pulling in flat or even the slight downhill so and in Vasalop at the last 30k is yeah there are some hills and 
when it's low conditions, it's even even more hills. <laughs> we know that, but um, still, it's a bit too high speed, and then you have those slight downhills, and there maybe it's also. Yeah, when I was skiing with the guys, sometimes I could could not even hold the back in the in the downhills, and then would some some extra weight would have been good. And so, yeah, I never really. Oscar said I never had a bad race, but I I remember some pretty bad Waterloo races actually. Uh, I don't know. But I, you were still top ten. Yeah, and I was. Yeah, like I mean, it was it was okay, but it felt it just didn't feel really good and i was kind of dreaming of having that perfect race at wasalopet and i i never had it so um i was that was always uh the, the, the hardest struggle for me maybe and probably also because of the course profile that doesn't really fit me so well the women started to double pull a little later than the men's and you didn't have a full season with just double pulling, but did you avoid kick wax in many races in the end of the ski classics career? Um, I did because I was kind of forced to, it was just some course profiles and some conditions that you didn't have a chance when you, when you had kick wax on. So I, I double pulled was a little bit twice. I think I double pulled, Cortina, Taubloch, Koenig. Yeah, several races, but whenever it was possible, I would prefer to go with kickback. I was not there yet. Like I didn't have also not the mindset like the skiers or the ladies that are skiing now have. Yeah, I was always a kind of a little struggle for me and um, the technicians really needed to talk me into not using kickbacks and that was of course good and i managed to i was trained to to double pull but i it was not my my favorite kind of or i just saw my strengths in the hills and didn't want to lose that let's listen to someone that prefers double pulling and and did that early on laila kvili I'm Laila Kvelli and I have skied a lot of competitions together with Sarina Bonner. Sarina's best features as skiers, I would say, is her uh, great skiing capacity that she could uh, just uh, win competitions on her pure strength. Uh, I would say that uh, Sarina is a very humble profile in the long-distance skiing circus and uh, she was a very important person in the beginning of the the long distance uh, ski classics era i think she's been an inspiration for a lot of uh, girls and ladies who wanted to do long distance skiing uh, serena was a really fair play skier uh, and always uh, it was a pleasure to ski with her both uh, with the uh, with the number bib on and uh, outside the competitions The first time I interviewed you was in in Ramsau in 2012. You were there with Team Coop on a camp. Mm -hmm. And in that interview, you said in Switzerland, only old people do classic skiing. Uh, everyone else is doing skating. Mm -hmm. Is it still like that? Well, I think like the 
skin skis, they changed a lot because we don't really have this that skiing tradition and we for sure don't have any tradition in the knowledge of waxing. So everyone was really scared on yeah, of the of the grip wax part of the classic skiing. And now with the skin skis they can just go out and, and ski and mostly they have good kick and good grip. So um that changed a lot and classic skiing has actually become much more popular now than it was some years ago. What what happened to, to the knowledge about Vismaski classics after Engadin was part of the circuit? Do do people like that work out, do they know about Vismaski classics? Like the circle of the people that know about it is probably quite small and it's just a skiing community and that is quite small, but for sure in the skiing community it they know about it. Um when when I first skied with Musky Classics it was they, they didn't know about the overall or something, but they of course knew about um the Mochalunga and Birkebeiner Renet, so the media took up those results and um talked about it. And now it's maybe kind of the same. It's more the knowledge about the the races and not so much about the the whole circuit. And it, we we don't have it on TV, so it's a, a bit hard to to really make it as big as it is in uh, Sweden or uh, Norway, of course. But it's good that there is a Swiss team and there are some Swiss uh, skiers that do ski classics. So, of course, in the in the close circle of um, cross country skiing, it's it's definitely known. How do you think it would be possible for it to to grow in Switzerland? It's all about um, the media and the kind of take out the, the message. So it was it's for sure be good if, for example, Dario Colonia would decide to to build his his own. Uh, ski classic team and uh, with only Swiss skiers and they would be on the podium in some races and um, then you really get get attention and he is really the the biggest profile of course in um, Swiss cross-country skier and uh, skiing and cross-country skiing has also because of him become much more popular than it was some years ago and I think the same would happen with uh, with ski classics. <laughs> We have seen him a few times, like he skied in Gadin Ski Marathon he, he, and he has uh, skied Vasselopet and it was pretty mm-hmm. close to, to win it. So what do you think would make him do Visma Ski Classics? Um, <laughs> yeah, we would have to offer him, a, give him a good offer, build a, a good team. And um, probably it's uh, it's hard to, to have me, him ski the whole season, but... Um, yeah, he has also done Vasalo, but so um, I think also for him it's a challenge to to do those long races, traditional um, ski races. If you look at the the schedule with the races in Wisman Ski Classics, and you were a professional athlete, what what do you is there anything you would like to change, like for number of races or the length of the races or what races they're in and so on. It's more races than I was used to ski, and I was already back then thinking that it's when you do like all races, it's quite quite hard. 
So um, with all the traveling in between. So what I would like to see is kind of that it's maybe a bit more together on a kind of similar spots that you don't have to travel so much up and down, not so much flying around. And then, um, yeah, maybe have a, a little break in between to, to really build up again. I mean, you have that before Vasalop, but, but um, it's quite a lot. And um, like, yeah, of course, um, all the skiers are trained for it. In my opinion, it doesn't need to be um, more races, I think. We're going to have some uh, short questions to you here. Uh, what's your education and occupation? Um, right now, I'm uh, like <laughs> still writing my master's thesis. Almost done, actually, finally. <laughs> and um, that's in sports science. And it's about um, self-improvement motivation and um, self-compassion and how those two affect each other in, uh, in athletes. What have you concluded from your research? I've uh, concluded that you don't necessarily have to beat yourself up to, to be successful in sports. It's okay to have a, a kind relation towards yourself because that's how you better um, take the bad results and everything that's that doesn't go as planned. I mean, it's not everything about um, good all the time. It's um, also a lot of frustration and stuff you need to tackle. And So you're going to work with uh, sports science or sports? Um, right now I'm teaching... PE classes or sports classes. I'd like to to work a bit more. In Switzerland, we only have um, three month month of uh, maternity leave, and that's not that's not so much. So I couldn't like head back to full time work right away because um, yeah, the baby needs some some time also. <laughs> some yeah. care. What what's your what was your view to Max, which at your highest level? Um, 72 something I measured the highest I think yeah what's your PR in uh, 3000 meters running on track Oi, that was well, my goal was to to come under 10 and I never made it so it was 10 oh something but I was not particularly good at running track <laughs> have you tried 5000 meters ski erg no, I haven't. <laughs> What's your PR in ben bench press? Oh, uh, no idea. <laughs> I know that I I hated that. I never did bench press. <laughs> what What was your training volume those years you trained the most per year hours? Um, between eight and nine hundred, I think. What's your favorite workout? That would be either a long an easy classic ski with kickwacks and with hills <laughs> or um, I really like in summer the bounding maybe bounding intervals yeah, like yeah exactly ski walking or yeah, kind of exactly. running with poles yeah yeah exactly running with poles like six times six minutes or something mm. you mentioned that you you're in good shape and you train still now even though you're not a professional skier what what's what do you like with it why do you think you you go out there and training and even though you're not racing at the same level 
um, I really felt how much I needed it for my well-being and my my feeling in my body when I I was not training so much. I really wanted to get back in good shape, and that's maybe I, I, you you can just lose yourself out there in nature and um, think about something else. It's just even now in these um, Corona times, you kind of um, stop thinking about any problems or anything and um, just ski or move. And um, that's really something I'm kind of almost addicted to maybe. And I just felt how, how good it is for me. Yeah. Will you race a Wisma Ski Classics race next season? Oh, I'd really love to. I haven't done Reistaloppet and I haven't done Ilias Levi. So um, that's really a dream of, um, especially Reista. Is it in the program at all? Is yeah. It? yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that would be a really, really a, <laughs> a goal to <laughs> to um, to do that race once. Um, I don't know if it can come true next season, but maybe sometime. But I think we have a deal there. We will yeah. uh, see you in uh, in Reistad. So thank you very much for your um, time, Serena. And uh, thank you for having me. Enjoying the mountains. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.